Welcome, everyone, to the next episode of the Caterpillar Podcast. Today, it's just Jedi and myself, but uh, I guess we have plenty to talk about. Yeah, I mean, well, it's 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 patch week, and um, we have this is like one semi-substantial news thing, and then lots of other little news things. So, uh, yeah, we've got a decent number of things to talk about today, I think. Yeah, starting with uh, the patch. You know, in the second stage of the Pan-Asian cruiser things, which is basically just delaying the launch more to make you spend money on an early access that you really shouldn't. As, as, as is well should. established at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, way yeah. the way they've structured it is uh, somewhat interesting, though. I think you can, with all the, the challenges they did for the first lot, you could get up to the Tier 7 um, with the the free grind and anything after that, anything after the chump on, you basically needed to spend credits. And I I can't remember specifically what the last one was like. That feels a little bit less generous than previously. I don't no, know. No, I, I the Germans also had the tier seven. Yeah. What what they did differently this time there was like a mission for the tier seven, right? And you, with the tokens, you got up to like the yeah, tier six, and I think the camo for the tier seven, and then yeah. you had to complete the mission for the. So you could get one design. of the camos for free, and then anything beyond that, you had to start putting in doubloons, basically. So, yeah, it's no, nothing, nothing terribly new there now, um, and uh, well, I mean, there's starting to be more of a common so i've even seen some of the tier 10s around like people that clearly decided they were going to wail their way up to, up to the tech, tech tree tier 10 and what is it like twenty thousand doubloons for that final one yeah but you first need to wail yourself some tokens to yeah to yeah get you have so to far. buy all the tokens first a thousand doubloons a pop like eight eight hundred tokens for a thousand doubloons like i can't remember if there was a package that gives you yeah, there's one that gave you a chance of twelve thousand tokens in one go, and that's oh, yeah. eight hundred tokens. So, uh, yeah. So, is there anything special for the part two, or I, I don't, or is it now actually in? I mean, live with the tech tree. I can't actually remember. Uh, no, no, the tech tree. Like the they they usually schedule the early access these days, right? There's the first part, the first yeah, month where you can earn free tokens, and then there's another month where you can't actually progress. But it's still a month where you can spend money on. So they're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh yes, you, I'm just looking in the armory now. Yeah, that's all still there. You can still go and spend your doubloons. Don't worry, don't panic, children. <laughs> you can't okay, just can't earn any free progress more, and then yeah. in a month uh, they will be fully released. It, I mean, the missions were not too bad, to be honest. I think I fairly easily managed oh, yeah. to um, get all of the, the grindable tokens. I got the shump on. Uh, and of the three of them, I <clears throat> I have uh, uh, gotten without really spending anything. Um, I've not played the chunking much, but the Ramat actually has been kind of fun. And then I've played a couple of games in the shump and have not been that impressed. Uh, the tier seven? Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's it's a ship where you need to land torps, I think, to make it worth it. Because otherwise, you might might just play something else. I mean, you yeah, have smoke it, and like you have sort of a flint. Yeah, it's less a flint firepower. You don't have the wing turrets that the um, 
that the uh, um, Atlanta has, and you've also got uh, advanced reload. I think. second reload. So yeah, it's not a fast reload, especially. Flint is five point one. Atlanta is four point eight. So it's the slowest of them by a margin. Which I mean, you get smoke, so that's fair. In a so way, the flint. But, and the flint yeah. gets better smokes. But you have more so, range. You do not by much. <laughs> Actually, like the flint has like what twelve point four, I think. So it's yeah, flint's twelve point four. Uh, what's Atlanta? Thirteen three. You have hundred less than Atlanta. I've I've found that the ATR seven is interesting. Partially, if you division it, because you don't have hydro, which is a shame, right? And you yeah. don't have any other useful consumable. You you basically have your smoke that you can provide for another thing. So if you division it up with like an Atlanta, you can both be there. You have about similar range, and you provide the smoke. And you the torpedoes can be nice, but it it feels like they have balanced it too much around the torps. And yeah, your torp reload I mean... boost is also questionable. <laughs> The range is good, and you could with uh, even without concealment expert because I've only got the six point captain they gave me with. Uh, it's still ten point three concealment versus ten point five uh, of the torpedo range. So you sort of hypothetically uh, do a drop, but yeah, with concealment you can get down to nine point three. So I think it's going to be a bit of a better experience with concealment expert, but it's going to be a little while before I. I get that because I keep spending all my. Uh, uh, I mean, my free they Captain XP on Captain retrainings. Yeah, but they uh, don't. You have like an experienced captain for for the nations because they still count as premiums. You don't need a dedicated one right now. Uh, what is my best Panation captain? Probably, I, I probably do have a better one that I could have put in there, but I haven't played my Panation ships that much. Uh, I think my best one might literally be like a 15-point captain. I mean, if anyway. those ships are going to be fun, I'll po probably put an orc on one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we will see. Right, it's still a month until we can see the higher tiers. But yeah, of the ones we have so far, I think Ramat I might actually play for fun, and it makes me hopeful for for Dido. But we'll see how Dido compares to to Ramat, how how similar they are. Because uh, at the moment, I don't know if you can like even with the tech tree mod, can actually one see the. I'm going to check that just now. Sometimes they hide the stats. You want to see Dido stats? Uh, oh, it's actually... It's, I know, I'm aware it's probably in I like mean, a post as well, but I'm just looking on the actual client now. Uh, I mean, it's it's sort of released already, right? If you wild your tokens, you could have it right now. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, we've had the patch, haven't we? <laughs> that has occurred, yes. Yes. <laughs> It feels really soon to like uh, since the last one, but then we we had a fight uh, along with a normal stretch over Christmas because oh yes, Christmas New Year. So, well, speaking of the patch, we also have the Dirigible Derby game mode now, which is uh, yes. I don't know. I feel like 
it's not ideal. It can be some quick fun. It's uh have you played it yet? I've done I think three rounds. Um one I got blatted super early because no one I was in a cruiser, nobody else wanted to stay in the like none of our destroyers were like, mm-hmm. oh we'll stay in the circle and make the thing go. So I was I think in the Worcester and uh had to go at it and got spotted and then basically blatted by enemy ships that were just kind of charging at us. So I think we still ended up winning that one somehow. I don't know. I went away and played another one uh, in the Harugamo where we did manage to, I think we won by getting all the enemy ships because they just spread themselves out everywhere. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think it kind of maybe depends on the map and the the, the, the path. I, I suspect some, yeah. some maps are going to be more fun than others. I, I need to play it some more before I can really give a, a truly informed opinion but uh, just the fact that it's still 12 versus 12 it, it's 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 basically an, a normal random match but with a different objective essentially yeah I, i'm not sure yet if they should have reduced the players what feels weird to me is that like early on you can't really do much to to contest the, the airship right it's it's like early on both teams basically they sit they have at least one sitting in their ring and then they move and then in the end it comes down to like a massive brawl which I don't necessarily object to because I like brawls but it's a bit weird that I feel like it early on you can't really harass them you can't really slow down the progress unless the enemy team is incompetent and has no ship inside uh, their circle it's usually enough of a distance that you can easily push it and then in the end it comes to like a certain choke point or something where the teams get really close together. And then it's like yeah, an old uproar. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you know, obviously that's that's how they've designed it. That that it, it becomes more kind of frenetic the closer you get to the center, which is, you know, in theory that that that's a good game design. But um, yeah, right. there is that interesting thing, and 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 because it's essentially random games, you know, there's not really that much coordination with teams. Yeah. As, as how many people are going to stick around to try and defend versus how many people are going to try and disrupt the enemy one, and it's it's a bit of a free-for-all in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I like that that Steel Force like a close engagement in the end, but what I dislike is that it, for the first part, there isn't really much you can do in the progress, so you just have mm. some ships that are stuck inside the circle. And because it's not a coordinated team that you're on, right? Whoever is, like, spawning there has to just sit in there, whether if the ship's suited for it or not. And they are stuck with, like, the path, while there is a little bit harassment or whatever going on there, and then it just... I feel like there should be something you could do before, like, the, the end brawl. Because it feels like... Or I haven't played that many matches, but so far it feels like... Whoever has more ships remaining for, for that massive brawl in the end and is positioned around the choke point... Mm. does better or does win and early on it's just waiting for that to happen and somebody who has to sit inside the circle and you can't really interrupt them because you'd have to get way too close and you die yeah but the only real well if you took a very stealthy destroyer that was fast which is like there's not that many options for that at tier 10 there's shima and i don't even know what else um, but the circle's too small, right? If you are in that circle and they push it, they're going to see you. Well, I mean, in terms of just trying to spot rather than actually getting in and disrupting. Oh, yeah. Okay, you, you could try to snipe whatever shit. Yeah. I mean, you can do so also with long-range torpedoes. You, you can try to mm. 
forced him out. Summon yeah, summons would have like long range enough torpedoes that you could uh you could just spam basically like the sort of path of the circle and hope that they in order to touch the torps they need to go out and so you delay them a little bit. So you could harass a slightly like that, but it's still not going to be enough to to like overcome the end brawl, I think. Yeah. I mean I'll be honest, if this I still need to play it more, as I said, but if if this was in uh even even if it was just like tier ten games as uh like if it wargamer said we're gonna take our epicenter and then we're gonna have this <laughs> dirigible mode in instead that pops up occasionally when you're in the random queue instead of epicenter games, I'd be all right with that. It, it yeah, yeah maybe. It it's better than Convoy because it's obviously balanced between the teams. Yeah, I think I think that's um you're not trying to do some kind of asymmetric battle mode. It's, well, the opposite. It's a symmetrical battle mode. And it's interesting that it, it, it comes down to fighting over a moving objective rather than the static ones of the, the cap circles. But it's really not that different in, in conception otherwise. You know, it, it is literally just that your, your, your cap circle, as it were, is moving as opposed well... to... I mean, it's different in the oh. sense that each has their own cap circle and you can't really take the other one and you spawn yeah. in them. So it, it would be interesting if you'd had like moving objectives on the map that you could capture in a sense, right? A bit more. The one, the one thought I've had that would be interesting is if you took the, um, the power-ups or whatever you want to call it from arms race, if you had something like that, that, that they would randomly uh, or, or not randomly, but you know, appear in certain spots, and you could use those to enhance your own progress or disrupt the enemy's um, dirigible. You mm. know, to make it go at half speed or something like that, so that there's more stuff going on on the map. And, yeah, honestly, uh, I, I also I mean, wouldn't mind if you don't need a ship inside the circle. Like you can disrupt the enemy progress if you're inside their circle, but your ship just moves at a constant speed no matter what you do. And then you'd have objectives, as you mentioned, to speed up the progress because yeah. it would free up ships to to do other things. Right? They don't need to sit in the circle; they only need to sort of defend it. And you you can like you can get the ships a bit apart. The problem is if you have like a massive brawl with like brawls with, with like five ships or so or seven ships they tend to be more fun because you get blapped too easily if you have like 12 versus 12 in a very short area I feel like so if if a lot of ships are still alive it's a it's a giant clusterfuck in the end <laughs> it's definitely uh, I think it's definitely gonna come down to trying to knock off as many ships as you can before you get to that point. I mean, the, 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 the Haruguma game where we did win, I think mm -hmm. we... Um, I think somebody did actually get in and, and was able to disrupt the the, the enemy dirigible, but we we just killed so many enemy ships by that point that they, they couldn't fight back effectively because they'd scattered themselves too widely. Like the, the, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be. I, I think it's going to have all of the randomness of uh, of normal random games. To be honest, I, I, I'll definitely have to play some more, but I, I can't see people magically 
being more coordinated about it. No, no, you have people that are on the opposite side of the objective on the one line or something like that and uh, uh, sniping away and so on. So it's uh, the, the, the player base has not gotten better. <laughs> Magically, no, sadly. Uh, Tom McKeever, uh, they, they do have a new Falkland Islands themed map. Uh, I don't know if we have any actual like pictures of the you know top down mini map style thing uh, to know what yeah. the layout's going to be. We just know what the aesthetic is going to be from the screenshots we've had so far. I'm wondering that they have. When was the last time they've... Like, they have mentioned this map for... Uh, it feels like a year now. They're like, oh, new map, new map, new map. That's coming sometime. Um, they are, like, parading this out in front of them. Oh, look, this is going to be so cool. We actually do new maps. But I have actually no idea when it's coming. Was it in the... Was there a date in the roadmap? I don't think so. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was it was this year. I, I don't think we've got too much longer to wait. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I, but I'm sure they still paraded out at least three more times telling us that a new map's coming and how great it is. So, yeah, then in other news, we have uh, Super Carriers now getting tested. <laughs> yeah. Those are in the latest... Uh... Uh... Uh, bundle that you can buy with the tokens if you get enough of them. I think it's the United States. I've also I have encountered the Hornet being tested as well, which also has the um, I, I can't remember if they're jet planes or not, but it has the uh, the strike consumable or not okay. consumable, but it has the, uh, the, the the strike alternative attack. Yeah, I haven't run into that yet. I have run into super carriers, although not really too often. Oh, uh, I've, I'm afraid that there will be a lot this weekend because, well, one, it's weekend, people have time, and the other mm. is you don't necessarily get, like, the ships in the first bundle. But once they have been able to open, like, three or so of them, there will be a lot more who have them unlocked. So... I'll... Like, it's just... They, they get a lot of, uh, in my experience, they get a lot of uptime of the jet planes because while there are some cooldowns on them, they have three squadrons, right? So once they start with the jet planes, they have, they're actually spending a lot of time with jet planes instead of the regular planes, which as expected makes sure that the regular planes stuck, even if they throw them away, they don't really run out, it feels like. They're also not going to run out of jet planes because it's a consumable and you are not going to shoot them down anyway. And they are so damn fast, it's like, it, usually it's already so fast, right? You get spotted by a carrier, you shoot down, like, you know, the planes disappear, they drop. Uh, maybe you shoot down one or two. And it feels like almost instantly they are back. They are, because they have a bit of flight time. But now they are really almost instantly back. So you can't get out of that spotting. Yeah, it, it's 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 all the fun of... Soviet carriers with, you know, like your AA, you know, might shoot down a plane or two. It doesn't matter. Oh, I guess you get the consolation yeah. experience. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still early. We will have to see where they go. I mean, it's 
I'm not even. I'm not sure if like the, the thing is the the Soviet CVs are so disgusting that they might even be stronger than the super carriers. I'll have to admit, right from from like a damage perspective, I think I might be more afraid of a Soviet carrier than a super I mean, carrier. Knock him off. I, I, I don't think there's just there's, uh, there's many people who would would. Uh... Well, I mean, there might be people that disagree, but they're probably the ones playing it. So, <laughs> I don't know. I think some of the, even some of the people playing it would probably think it's fairly disgusting. Uh, possibly. Yeah, we'll see how they go with super carriers, but it feels like it's something that was definitely not needed. Yeah. If they yeah, only I, would it, do something about freaking carrier spotting. It, it almost feels like submarines where it's like, oh, well, you know, let's let's shoehorn in some extra content. More content. At least this time it's something that exists within the framework of the game already and it's not trying to bash a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, I suppose. Although you could argue that carriers don't quite... Well, I mean, yeah, the, the way they're designed, they don't quite fit into the game either. Kind, Kind of. It's just that we have been plagued with them for so long that it's, you know. Stockholm Syndrome or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, other than that, we have personal challenges, which is, which is basically just how you get your Mediterranean tokens for the. That's a positive event, right? You can get either a free Dido or a free Canarias. Unfortunately, not both. Yeah. Um, been interesting to know which um, I, I haven't played either, so I'll, I'll be have to watching uh, people on YouTube <laughs> to see which ones uh, you know more worth it. But I, I honestly but you're going to get died anyway. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Canaris looks kind of interesting though. But could your, your British heart take it, not taking a dino? I mean, I could just shell out and get both, <laughs> potentially. True. There is the option. So the way the event works, right, you have two weeks, uh, two times two weeks, sort of. Like one period is two weeks, and in one period you can get up to 50 points by completing personal challenges. So you need to complete 50 challenges though, right? Because you only get one token per challenge, but you have two weeks for that. And then in the next two weeks, you can get another 50 tokens or so get a hundred total for free. And a ship costs 70. But then afterwards you can get the crate for like 30. So if you get the 100 free tokens, you can get one ship and one, get 10 ship crate. Yeah. Which. If I'm really lucky, would give me a Forest Sherman because that's the only thing I could get from it. But <laughs> given that we now know the drop rates, I know exactly how unlikely that is. Could still happen, it's just probably not going to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice being able to look and see the exact drop rates. Like, that's just yeah. been such a good change. Cool. Because now we know, I think you need about 19 of, like, if, if, uh, if the Sherman is the only ship you're missing, I think on average you need 19 crates to, uh, what, what's one crate? 2,500? Yeah, it was so not like 19 times whatever that is. I, I can't math. But yeah, that's still a lot of doubloons. 
Yeah, that's like 47,500. Like 47,500 doubloons that you are uh, paying for. But on, on average, right? On average, that there's no guarantee that you're going to get it. Like. Curious now. I'm going to look up in the shop exactly how much that would be for, for the average. What's 47,000? Probably. Premium shop. Right, uh, that would be well over a hundred pounds. As one of the packages is fifty thousand doubloons for one hundred and thirty-eight pounds. So, lots, lots and many. Uh, well, on average, <laughs> on average, could get worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can also pay some money for like tokens to get Dido and Canarius. So if if you want to spend money, Wargaming has you covered on so many levels. Yes, it's all, it's always like not exactly one step forward, two steps back. It's more like one step forward, two steps sideways. Like any sense? And at least one <laughs> step back. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, we've already touched now on those crates, so there are currently tier 10 crates, and you can buy the armory that basically have a chance of a tier 10 ship. It contains, I think, mostly the coal ships or the fourth German, which is going to be a coal ship in the future. But right now, it's only accessible through a loot box with a 5% chance drop rate, and 5% is any of the ships on the list. Yes. So you'd have to, you need to have all the ships. Have a five percent chance on the forest. It's it's a thing they've done before in different yeah. forms. It's it's a common tactic of free to play game companies, uh, even games where you play. You know, some some of the, the scummier companies out there are quite happy to, uh, you know, double dip and try and charge people multiple times over for games they've already played uh, paid for. But uh, yeah, in in this case, it it's it's a chance to get coal ships. Some of which I don't think are otherwise available. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, uh, more loot crates, yay! <laughs> Probably the worst thing about this is the the forest Sherman and trying to play on on that FOMO factor, and hoping people will be impatient and just buy however many containers is needed to get themselves the forest Sherman. Yeah, I have to said when it will be available for coal. They say I, it will I, be available in the armor if, in exchange for coal later. Yeah, later is a very yeah, loose I term, mean, it, isn't it? It could be three months. It could be a year from now. Could be ten years. No. Didn't they like say that ships like the Black would be available for coal, and then they never did it? Maybe. I'm sure they've they probably have in the past like said oh yeah such this is going to be available for this later and then it's just never happened it probably has happened at least once or twice. Well, in other news, I guess there's going to be a new clan battle season with no carriers. <laughs> Yay! Yes. Not that I play clan battles, but it's making everyone who plays clan battles happy, I suppose. It's 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 going to be the Albatross clan season, which if anybody knows their 
um, nautical poetry is an interesting thing to, yeah, definitely shades of rhyme of the ancient mariner going on there, potentially. It's probably some clever joke one could make in reference to that. Anyway, okay, I'm yeah, not no, familiar with them. It's I can't even remember who wrote it. Yates or somebody. I don't know. It's a fairly famous poem, anyway. Oh, okay. Samuel Taylor Coleridge. There we go. So then, uh, there is also a new ranked battle season. Where... Interesting. Like bronze league is seven well seven, silver league is six well six, and golden league is five well five. And also the ship key increases. I don't think there's there's anything. Uh, is there any new things in this season? Yeah, I, I haven't actually played ranked in a long time, so probably not gonna start now. <laughs> um, the two battleships team cannot have two identical ships in its lineup. I don't know if that's a particularly new thing or not. But it does it does force some diversity, I suppose. And you're not just having ah, you, that's clever, all of the yeah. usual suspects. Because I'm, I'm sure that's happened in previous ones where there's just been, oh yeah, yeah, for for certain of the same ship, and it just you know, is everywhere because it's you you yeah. can't have like seven petros. Yeah. Unfortunately, Cause... for the super tryhards. Otherwise, they'd have to balance ships, right? If they wouldn't have <laughs> mutations. Oh, I'm sure the no carriers thing will make some people happy at least. Oh, definitely. Sadly, yeah. you're going to have to wait to, to see super carriers in ranked games. I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> Not quite yet. Uh, awesome. Then we have changes to in-game economy. Like, yeah, the damage to aircraft is now what determines the experience you get and not the shutdown planes only. Which is probably a good change. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of, of... I'm sure everyone's had this experience. Plenty of games where you do, you know, 10, 15,000 aircraft damage. You don't maybe necessarily shoot down that many planes for that damage. So it's, it's, it's probably a fairer way of, of, of calculating it, because doing it by plane kills almost feels like a holdover from the, the old RTS system. Possibly. Then there is some ammunition supply changes, which I don't know how this really affects carrier economy. Sure, it'll all be very opaque. <laughs> yeah, and then they rebalance carrier aircraft experience so that they probably get more experience. I mean, they say they will now earn more for sinking enemies and less for damaging them. So they really want to focus carriers on playing smart, which is never going to happen. <laughs> but it's a nice try. Yeah, it's it's. We'll see how that pans out in practice. Um, it, it, I mean, it depends how big of a buff it is because they have made these kind of changes in the past, which have actually then had an effect on player behavior. 
Um, I mean, to be honest, from from a gameplay point of view, you know, get, getting complete kills is 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 useful. But at the same time, if you're on the receiving end of the carrier that just keeps coming back at you over and over and over again, trying to kill you off, that's not that fun. So, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, the only thing that makes the game with carriers sort of playable is mostly that the, most carriers don't know how to play carriers. It's like, yeah. I, I've recently had a game again where I was down to uh, 200 hit points in, in like my uh, set 52, right? And it's like, in, in the end, the only reason I survived is because the Kara couldn't spare two seconds to keep me spotted. He detected me accidentally, flew over me, and I survived that spot with 200 hit points because if he had stopped a second or turned around, I would have been dead, right? And he was annoying in the end, but once he had me down to 257 hit points, he never actually tried to find me again. And mm. I could actually sink two more ships in this game. And the only thing that made that game playable for me was really that the carrier had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> well, you know, there's always that factor in beating basically any enemy in World of Warships. Yeah, true, but like the, the the problem with the carry is obviously that he's omnipresent on the battlefield and that there is no counter to it, right? Because to add every other ship, there is something you could do against, while carriers, there is nothing you can do. Yeah. The best thing you can do is attrition him over time by shooting down his planes, and that's only if he is bad at plane management and goes into too heavy anti-air. But the, the only defense against the carrier you have is long-time attrition if the carrier is not very good. We'll have to see how the spotting... like that's, that's something where the proposed spotting changes would have potentially made a difference. Oh, definitely. Assuming that the area would have been small enough, but, you know, they haven't talked about this again, so I somehow doubt that we will ever see those spotting changes. I mean, they got as far as acknowledging that there needs to be some kind of change to how things are. Done, but they have acknowledged that two years ago already. Yeah. And I haven't yeah. done anything since. Well, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what Wargaming's done to make you so cynical, eh, Sam? I mean, you know, <laughs> they always have the player's best interests at heart, right? Definitely, definitely. Well, uh, in, in other non-carrier-related news, now the Kabarovsk and the Kurfürst have been replaced. And interesting, I have, well, I've never really played the Kabarovsk, so I have no idea if I haven't played the replacement either, obviously. I, I went and I free XP'd to the, the Kabarovsk and bought it, and then I haven't actually re-free XP'd and bought the Delny, so I have no idea how that compares, but I've only played the Kabarovsk a, a handful of times. Uh, I have played the Prusen, though, or the Preussen, however one pronounces that. Preussen, yes. Um, which is, uh, it, it's kind of, it, it feels a bit weird in that it feels like not that many guns for it, like compared to the, the 12 guns you had, and then you, you're downgraded to these, these eight guns, but they are bigger guns. And overall, it still feels like a reasonably tanky, pushy, Tier ten German battleship. So I, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if its role has changed that substantially. It's just the the firepower that that, that has, and uh, there's, there's also been the knock on effect. I think particularly with the the the, the prison and the the GK of, of 
uh, people having spent free XP to to unlock the GK, and um, now they've gotten it as you know, because uh, I think if you had it unlocked, but you didn't necessarily have to buy it to then get it mm-hmm. post. So there's been lots and lots of GKs in in the matchmaking over the last day or two. Oh yeah, I mean there might also have been people who've just gotten it for coal or something. Mm. Yeah, that's that's also true. Or you know, they they bought one Got of those from a crate. Containers. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, that might also be the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, but interesting enough, I was I've heard is that the Kabarovsk replacement is worse than the Kabarovsk, and the Kabarovsk hasn't been. Like that, great for a while. Which yeah, I can't confirm. Bit, I haven't played it. It's a bit weird. Uh, it, it's kind of like it used to be the king of the open water gunboats, and then that's definitely not true anymore at all. And it's in in this kind of position of just I think the rest of the game just kind of having passed it by to some extent, and that that we can sort of look at the fact that rather than try and rebalance it further, they've just shoved it to one side and put in a new tech, tech tree tier 10. But yeah, I, I'll, I think I might have to try the Delny and see how that compares. But I'm certainly not an expert on Soviet destroyers. It's one of the lines I've not really ever touched that much. But uh, it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly, you know, it's fast, it's I think effectively an upgraded Tashkent. Um, but we'll see. I mean, probably the biggest notable change is it actually has a usable torpedo range compared to the <laughs> the, the Haborosk. Yeah, but I mean, it was never really about that. No. Will I read your comments? I'm sorry, which comments? So yeah, I, I've seen that we haven't talked about the crashes just yet. We'll probably come to that later. Yeah, they, they've uh, I've acknowledged that some there's some issues. One thing they haven't mentioned is the uh, <clears throat> the kind of weird visual flashy bugs and some of the other slight strangenesses that have been I think happening on the reworked maps. I don't know if it's just with the reworked waves. There's there's something that's causing some kind of weird visual flashes, but uh, yeah, they don't seem to have uh, mentioned that. But I guess that's a lower priority compared to. You know, clients crashing. Yeah. So there also, uh, yeah, there seems to be a client crashing at longer login times right now. It's obviously interesting that they have. I'm not sure how widespread the problem is, but it's interesting that they decided to install the patch despite them obviously figuring that out already when they patched other versions. Hmm. It's fine, you know, we'll get round to it later, probably. It might be one of these things where it's happening to, in their view, sufficiently few people that they've decided just to push the patch out anyway, and then they'll do a hot fix. I mean, they are not really a company that reacts to anything other than, you know, the word ending, right? <laughs> If they have it, or if they have a plan to do something, they're gonna do it. And unless the world really ends, or somebody like I don't know threatens their life, they they are not going to stop. Probably. Yeah, it's unusual to have. It's uh, like they they're not the most responsive company. We'll put it that way. 
there was this premium ship like last year. I mean, I'm not sure which one it was. Was it was it the French one? Uh, where, where the camera was bugged, right? You you had like I think wrong camera angles was or so on. Which one? Sorry, you cut out for a second there for me. Yeah, my internet seems to be uh, acting up slightly. I think it's good again. So I, I don't remember which ship it was, but there was a ship that had like a cam, uh, buggy camera. And I knew it had a buggy camera, right? That you had like the, the wrong camera angle or whatnot. Yeah, that was one of the battleships, wasn't it? Yeah. And they released it in the buggy state with the statement they're going to fix it like in a month and then gave some compensation to people who actually spend money on it. They, they knowingly say, sold a faulty product and told people, it's okay, we're going to fix it in a month, but here's like, I don't know if you paid this yeah, previous compensation. Rather than, rather than actually, you know, put out the non-buggy thing. <laughs> they were just like, ah, it's fine, people will buy the buggy thing, we'll just fix it later. And I mean, it's it's not even like delaying a full patch, it's delaying like just selling that one product. And they couldn't mm. even be bothered to do that, to release it. In. So that, that's that's what what's shocking to me, because it seems so obvious if, that, if you have a buggy product has, to first fix it. That has been their modus operandi, I think, for a while now. And uh, some of that, I mean, there is one other news thing that I, I don't know if we want to get to that just now, but we can at least mention it that um that, that you know the, the guy that's been in charge of all this stuff sub octavian you know he's been yeah. in charge for a long time and uh, a lot of the monetization policies of the game have or if not all of them have basically evolved under his watch and uh it, it's kind of not surprising that they would they would uh have, have taken that approach considering how things have evolved under his his uh, leadership. If that makes any sense. I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, he was like the executive producer or, or developer or something like that. I'm not entirely sure what comes with that job description, but he was somewhere higher up and he was one of the decision makers. Obviously, there is like a whole team behind it. And now he is basically left to another wargaming project. Yeah, we don't we don't know what yet, and he's, he's announced he's moving over in in March. So it's it's not like he's uh, quitting the company entirely or anything like that. But uh, no, no, yeah, um, yeah. Well, there's been some like it's one of those things where we know he's stepping down, but we have no idea who who might replace him or what it might mean for the game. So, I mean, the thing yeah. is that that it's highly unlikely that all of the bad design decisions are like, I mean, they might have one person who, who case them or who leads them, but he's going to have a team under him. That's sort of, yeah, the, the, the kind of his, his... in place that they, that I, I, I don't, I, I fully expect them to go. Um, this might be the, the cynic in me, but I fully expect them to go, Oh, well, it's all been, you know, this is how it is now. It's all been working well so far. So yeah, let's, let's just continue. Yeah, I don't expect any changes. I highly doubt they replace him with someone who has a completely different mindset. And I also would say that the the people that are working on the game, they will just continue as is. So I haven't agreed with his philosophy for a long time, but I'm not sure if it's going to get better or not without Sub-Octavian. Yeah. I I, I think I'm kind of inclined to agree with that. I mean, there certainly have been people within the organization, we know for sure, that have pushed for 
uh, different directions that are pushed for more player friendly policies. But, you know, those tend to be within the, the consumer facing part of the team, the community facing part of the team. Of course, they're not in charge at all. So. And they don't seem to have a promising career at the company or might even then switch. There have been, I mean, I, I don't know how this compares to the context of these kind of companies generally, but it does feel like there's been a fair bit of turnover in terms of people that actually do care about the player experience, if I can put it yeah. that way. Yeah, see, that's also my concern. Like my sub-Octavian might have been one of the people who pushed the current direction of the game, but him leaving isn't going to change much because everybody who didn't like agree with that has probably already been pushed out. And that means unless what they needed is somebody like really at the top who wants to turn this around and replaces leadership with somebody who has highly new ideas. And I highly doubt that's what happened. So I believe it's just going to be more of the same thing with a different face. I mean, worst case scenario. Well, actually, no, worst case scenario would be everything goes. It's worse. <laughs> Way worse. But yeah, I suppose that's the. Uh... Not quite worst case scenario, but still not great case scenario where nothing really gets better. We'll see. I mean, they, they, we'll we see. Have, we've had improvements in terms of communication from the company and uh, uh, you know things on that front, but we haven't necessarily had many improvements in terms of of um, like monetization and all the rest of it. Like the the one big step we've had has been the disclosure of. of of, yes. Uh, loot box rates, and I'm, I'm sure there are other factors at play there, other than just that's you know that th that was the consumer friendly move to make. I'm sure they were uh, definitely uh, at least thinking about European legislation and complying with uh, laws in different, but you know, or potential laws in different countries. Now that more gov more and more governments have been looking at that as an issue. Yeah, it's uh, it's a question if it was a step that they had always planned and just accelerated it or if they really did this to just satisfy the community. And also keep in mind they had already displayed odds on like the, the console version and so on. So it's not like this is the first... Oh, they were, yeah, right, they were required to previously. Yeah. So this is... It, 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 it does feel like them trying to be ahead of the curve. Yeah, or maybe they already had considerations for that anyway. They also had data probably how well it sells on, on other platforms with the odds displayed and maybe they figured that it wouldn't be that problematic yeah. for them to change it. So, um, Well, we've the that The Poison is a ship that I've actually played and it it feels relatively close to Kufus. You have faster firing guns that are obviously less of them and higher caliber. So you finally can't screw over cruisers as much as every other battleship. It has, I think, slightly better angles, but for overall, I haven't felt much difference to the Kufus. What I have felt is I felt a little bit more frustrated because you have bad dispersion as well. And with less shells, it just feels worse because you don't make up for it. I mean, considering the caliber of the gun, you you can you can at least get the uh, the reload down to like twenty one seconds, something like that. 
Um, yeah, and then, like, then lower with adrenaline rush. Yeah, uh, so you can be putting out the shells fairly often, um, but yeah, it, it 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 does feel like you have to get a bit closer to actually uh, make the guns effective. You can't just rely on the weight of the, the shells you're putting out, like the Montana, or the accuracy of the shells you're putting out, like the um, the Yamato. Especially the legendary um, upgrade Yamato. I would still definitely take it, you know, like easily. It still, it, it feels like a ship that I will play, and I obviously still got the GK I can play now as well if I if I want to. Um, it, it definitely feels like a more fun ship to play than say the Cristoforo Colombo. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not, not not a hard bar to beat, really, or the Vermont. So, so, Charlie, you think it feels more to, uh, closer to the Friedrich? Well, I mean, it has the same amount of guns as the Friedrich, right? But, like, it has basically the same hull as the Kurfürst, and it, in many ways, it feels, I feel like it's almost like playing a Kurfürst, right? Uh, except for, like, the guns feel different. But as far as I play the ship, yeah. it's sort of the yeah. same. Yeah, there might be some variations in the armor scheme, but it overall feels like that I, kind of... I have to actually uh, looked at it exactly in port and compared them, but I felt basically the same. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... I'm just actually checking that out. I don't honestly think there's that much difference between the armor wise. I think it's basically the same hull. They they mostly just changed the turrets. And wasn't there like a slight anti-air change or something? Uh, possibly. I'm just checking that now. Yeah, I think it's got slightly better AA. Same bubble radius, but yeah, it has a few more... Uh... Is it the 55 millimeter guns? Got the same number of dual purpose 128s. It seems like it's got some more of the uh, the mid caliber guns for a bit of extra DPS. In that regard, I, I'm guessing the outer DPS shell mm -hmm. would probably be the same. In sense, the damage per shell feels poultry for those. Well, I don't know. Like, uh... I've, like the, the, what they've done is they've reduced the reload a bit, right? So you have less guns, but with better reloads. So I presume they didn't need to push up the damage that much. I mostly wanted to give it a higher caliber, not for more alpha damage in a sense, I think, but to, to just screw over cruisers. Because, well, one thing that Wargaming hates more than the player base is cruisers. Unless I mean, they're it, Russian. To put it in context, you know, it's the same of guns and only very slightly worse reload than the Republic, but obviously it's a very different platform than the Republic, and it's actually bigger guns than the Republic. And it probably doesn't have the like Republic has amazing high explosive. True, yeah. I mean, you've got the extra pen with it being German high explosive, but yeah, but the Republic has I think sixty something fire chance. Yeah. But I mean, to be honest, when I play the Republic, I think I, just, I very rarely reach for the HE anyway. No, it's, it's a powerful tool, right? It's uh, it like burns everything. 
anyway, so um, I think we've covered all the dev blog stuff. And is there anything else on the portal? You mean the portal stuff? Oh, the portal stuff. Yeah, the other way around. I don't think there's that much on the dev blog apart from the submarines, is there? Uh, the, uh, closed test return thing. Well, what we haven't mentioned yet is that there is the the super early access of the Italian Tier 4 destroyer over Twitch Prime. um, Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing they've been doing for a while now as well, isn't it? I like that they call it super early access. Like, we we are in the part of the game where we have early access for stuff and you have super early access for (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you have Twitch Prime linked to your Wargaming account, then yay. But it, it's a tier four destroyer, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not. I don't think it's going to be anything uh, amazing. I mean, you can potentially have some fun if it. I have. I have. Um, uh, I've gotten it from like Twitch Prime, but I haven't actually played it yet. I think I mean the, I think the, the the characteristics of of low mid tiers sometimes aren't that similar to the characteristics of the high tiers anyway. So, oh, you do have barely any gun range, so it definitely has got that going. Yeah. So. I guess we we can move to the dev blocks and what everyone has been waiting for. We can talk about submarines again. Oh, there is the um, the warships regatta thing that's on the portal. Oh, I think that's another way you can get the forest Sherman potentially. Stand. Uh, I think it's mostly focused around community tokens, though. Oh, I think I missed stand. So how stand goes. Especially one of these things you have to access through the portal and then uh, hit some XP goals in order to uh, get a possible number of community tokens. Which, they've been a bit low-key about a lot of the community token stuff. Like, there's there's some some nice camos and Which is, you know, not that many people read compared to looking at stuff in game. So it's, it always feels a bit strange when they do like this. Doing it portal only mm-hmm. feels like they're trying to limit, deliberately limit the number of people that will notice and take part. But hey, you know, if you're listening to this on whatever podcast <laughs> service on YouTube, then now you know it's a thing and you can go and sign up. The main difference is that the the uh, they have it split into amateur league and professional league, and the amateur league you start earning the tokens uh, at much smaller increments of XP. It seems like. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. So basically, you can go amateur league or professional league, and you can easier collect tokens in the amateur league. But with the professional, you enter the race for the podium. And then you can, like, win a Forest Sherman. If you, like, have this very good experience. Yeah, although uh, uh, there's only going to be 10 players for these, you know, that are going to get these podium prizes. So 
there'll be three that can win a Forest Sherman outright, and then the other seven will get three of the uh, firepower premium containers each. So, yeah, it it is a possible revenue, uh, avenue to get a Forest Sherman, but, you know, three out of however many thousands will take part. To... Yeah. <laughs> But probably not to get some some community tokens, I suppose it's nice as a thing. If you don't care about the Forest Sherman too much. I mean certainly there are some of the uh, community um designed camos on that armory tab that I don't have that I I would quite like. Oh yeah, true. You know, you could spend spend it on a super container instead if you uh Absolutely had to roll your chances that way and end up with, you know, 25 flags or something. Probably. Yeah, there are some some good ones there, though. I don't have the Normandy camo, for example, or the... um, the, Then uh, again, do you play your Normandy ever? uh, No, but it looks sufficiently (laughs) like... It's the same... Color scheme that's basically used on the west coast of Scotland ferries. So I kind of have to have it just for that reason. It really looks like the Calmac uh, livery on uh, on on the the Calmac West Coast ferries. So uh, I, I just I just have to have it for that reason. There was actually a, a video today, and this is this is a completely topical reference, but we're having Storm Eunice here in the UK at the moment, which isn't actually mm-hmm. affecting. We are, but um, there's a, a video I saw of one of the Calmac ferries um, making a rather bumpy entrance into Ardrossan Harbour on the west coast, and uh, it, it did not look like a fun ride. I mean, yeah, we, if you mentioning fun, this is a nice transition to submarines, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, people are hopeful that with the wording that maybe Wargaming has something good in, in store for submarines. Of course not. They're just coming back. Although, not all of the changes are bad. So. so there's, there are some interesting thoughts in there. I'm still, you know, I'm still against submarines overall. But. Um, there are there are some uh, changes they've made that are kind of interesting, and uh, probably the most interesting one from the point of view of playing against submarines is this oil leak mechanic that they're talking about that, that yes. now gives you a way of, of um, being able to see where a damaged submarine is. I mean, they have to be damaged in order to be leaking oil. And the only way they can stop that leak is to use a, one of their limited number of DCP consumables. So they do, you know, a sub player has got a way of stopping it, but it 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 means that um, there's now there's now that tactical consideration of do I like as as a a player in a battleship or whatever, you've got to make that consideration of do I use my DCP to get rid of a ping? Well, now a submarine player has to make that same kind of call of. Do I use a DCP when I'm not otherwise taking damage to get rid of the oil leak that's that's potentially giving my position away? So uh, yeah, it, it's evening things out a bit in that regard, I think. And also, 
giving um, uh, ships potentially a better chance of spotting where a submarine is. Yeah, you, also, you can also not see the ping. Yes, which is which is one of the other the other big changes. So, um, I mean, you already knew when you were getting pinged, but uh, uh, I think you'll now have a better idea of where it's coming from. You, you can actually see traveling through the water, right? You, you oh, can see. see exactly oh, where it's... Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, which allows you to better, like, guess where it is and maybe yeah. drop some depth charges in your planes. So it increases the risk for sub-players in terms of... Um, it seems like... Because one of the things when, when testing subs, you would see sometimes when, when I was in a sub is, is people would um, kind of have a, a very vague idea of where a, like which mm -hmm. side of the ship the ping had come from, but they obviously you can't see the, the exact path. So you would get people trying to blind drop their airstrikes on you, and that actually will be maybe a more effective tactic now. Something that you'll have to uh, be more wary of. Um, yeah, and I think depth... every ship only has one depth charge uh, strike, and it, but they say it reloads faster. Yeah, and it's, it's now, if it does... Uh, like If you do get into the radius, there's a 100% flooding chance. But subs can only have one active flood at a time. So again, it's 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 putting some pressure on subs' damage control party, and and you, you you're going to have to think about do I do I save the limited number of charges for floods, or do I mm. get rid of this oil slick? Of course, the question is, you know, is this then going to make playing submarines completely miserable and no one will want to play them kind of thing? But it, 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 it is, it's a nice change from the point of view of surface ships. Yeah, they, they basically addressed one, uh, well, some of the, the problematic spotting and counterplay issues with submarines, right? So you now have an easier time finding out where they are in a sense because, you know... It's not like if they don't ping and if they just surface in front of you and torpedo you, you still won't have any idea they're here until they shove torps in your face. Yeah. In homing acoustic torps, which have um, you know lower damage but higher chance to hit versus conventional torps. Uh, so if you get... It might be that there's now more incentive to try and make more conventional torp drops because they're not going to give your position away as as a, a, a ping would. Um, but they have also made some changes to how the acoustic the sonar pings work. Oh yeah, which is interesting. Also, submarines only have three depths now, so they have further yeah, simplified. I feel like that's a thing we've had before in testing at, at various points with some of the the various... Uh, I, I feel certain at some point we've had this where it's only been three fixed depths. Well, maybe it's been four fixed depths, but we've definitely had fixed depths. Um, you know, a limited number of fixed depths as, as a, a thing previously, so... Yeah, that was in the last... Like, they, they have long ago gone from the freely things you had, but you had, like, I don't know, three, four, five, whatever... You had a, a more fixed depths before now. Now they're yeah, just limited to three. One less because you had like like periscope depth and then like operating depth and then maximum depth or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, I wonder if like 
I mean, obviously you can't dive deeper than there is. I wonder if, like, because you have nothing below periscope depth other than max, I wonder if that will force you into periscope at, at certain... Well, I mean, it must force you into periscope at certain places because there's Maybe. just no ground below you. You might end up just, like, wiggling up and down on, you know, commanding your submarine to go up and down and up and down so you're sort of going in between. But it depends how exactly it works. Like, if you... Um, if you tell it to go down, will it just go all the way down and ignore commands to go back up again, kind of thing? Which I, I don't, I don't know that that would work particularly well. But like that's the only way I could see to stop somebody wiggling up and down between periscope and maximum. I mean, I can tell you that as a submarine, you can most certainly get stuck on the ground, like any proper ship. So if you like go down too much and you slam into the ground, the possible that it just keeps you there. <laughs> Maybe it's fine. Then we'll, then we'll have the um, the the map team be uh, you know fixated on fixing that problem for the next two years, and, and you know the Falklands map will just have to we'll just have to wait. It's fine. <laughs> Doing the underwater stuff is clearly more important. Uh. Definitely. So yeah, you, we already covered. They have now the two type. Well, they they already had the two types of troops, but now their ping doesn't benefit the second more. Yeah, there's there's some interesting. Um... And it, there, there is also with the homing. I think they've sort of in, or talked about this earlier in the dev block that your tops homing on the last ping you have, and if you switch pings, it doesn't switch where the like the tops don't yeah, change. It's so um yeah, a torpedo will home on the last pinged ship and remember its target. Further pings made after the torpedo is launched will not influence it. So it you you could I don't think you've been able to do this up until now. You can um ping a target, send a, a, a torpedo, an acoustic torpedo off towards it, and then you could ping the target a, a different target, mm -hmm. send off torpedo towards that, and they will go towards their separate targets. And um, further to that, uh, each, torpedo, uh, each torpedo will respond to the last successful ping before its launch, or uh, provided there were no other active pings before launch with the first successful ping after its launch. And um, uh, also the torpedo will be able to improve its guidance parameters if the first ping hits a target before the torpedo launch and the second after the launch. So um, the way that you ping, you're not trying to get the double ping and then launch for the optimal homing um i think there was something about yeah here we go so if if somebody negates the ping with damage control party when there's already a torpedo homing on it uh it, it'll just go dumb as it were it will continue without guidance to ignore any solar sonar pings on other ships but once the dcp wears off and if you ping that same target again that particular torpedo will remember its target and, and go back to it. So it seems like the uh, the ability to target individual ships is is kind of a lot more specific now. But that that scenario feels a bit edge case. Like it, you would have to be firing at close to max range for somebody's uh, DCP to have cooled down and then be able to ping that same target again to get the that that individual torpedo to to reacquire it. 
I mean, it so, depends. You're not going to do that on a battleship because damage con lasts long, but on a destroyer or so, yeah. on a cruiser that have a very short lasting damage con. Like, I feel like that it, it's, it's so ridiculous because Wargaming has many times said that they feel like damage control is the right way to count the sonar pings and that makes a lot of sense. And now they go like, oh, by the way, uh, it's possible that you can't even counter like one torpedo with that because they just ping you again and everything you've done is pointless. Yeah, um, but I think that coupled with the changes to the visibility of pings, I mean, if you're sat in the middle of, like, you've got an array of ships in front of you and you're kind of pinging individual ships and firing off individual torpedoes, it's that, it, that, that potentially is going to make it a lot easier for them to triangulate your position, essentially, um, provided they're even just communicating with map pings. You've got several people pinging yeah. the, the same map, you know, same bit of the map, and and dropping their strikes at once. That could be very nasty for you in a submarine, potentially. Well, we'll have to see how, how it turns out, I guess. Yeah. Uh, oil, oil slicks we've already covered, which is it's a nice little actual nod to, you know, historical submarine hunting, because that, that was a thing that... Like if you managed to damage a sub and it was uh, trailing oil, you know that that was uh, 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 a, a pretty good way to then you know home in on its position and finish it off potentially. Yeah, uh, I, I like that. Yeah, um, uh, dive capacity has been changed as well, so the meter depletes at a lower rate than previously, but uh, it. It uh, and although it recharges at a faster rate on mm-hmm. the surface, the maximum charge has been lowered by around a quarter, which is a which fairly is hefty, yeah. I mean, it, it means you'll have to surface more often, potentially, but you won't have to be on the surface for as long to recharge to a whatever amount that you need. So. Uh, I've kind of skipped over the graphics before, right? We also have like a ship graphic there where you can see like the detection and detectability. And you can also see like they, they changed hydrophone a little bit. They've also, uh, oh, didn't they like remove the. Uh, oh, yeah. Count so of hydrophones? Is, is, yeah, they've made damage control parties limited consumable, but made the subs hydrophone and unlimited consumable essentially. And Hydro, I think uh, Hydroacoustic Search can now actually see di- uh, submarines that dive, although only in two kilometers at max depth. Yeah, so having having Hydro will be... And again, I, th- I feel like that's a thing they've done in previous iterations where Hydro has been able to pick up subs. And the main difference here seems to be the the, the limit on the radius in which you can pick up a sub with Hydro. Oh, it does say uh, uh, only uh, they'll weigh the subs at maximum depth, so maybe you can detect it from further away if it's at, at uh, periscope. Oh yeah, yeah, periscope. You get or full hydro range and surface. Yeah. You, you, which so is good. Like... Oh, but yeah, the the being able to detect with hydro at max depth, I guess, is the the change there. It's just worded yes. slightly. Yeah. Okay. It used to be that they were undetectable at max depth, and now you can find them with hydro. Yeah. If if uh, they would be within two kilometers. 
Radar can only detect surface submarines. I feel like that was the case already. Yeah. They've, they've changed that a few patches back, I guess. Once it came into more widespread use, was absolutely used as a submarine detection tool. Like, basically being able to uh, detect the, the snorkel. And then you ended up with this arms race of, well, uh, or, you know, all, all the periscope. And then and, and Germany was trying to come up with anti-radar coatings and all this kind of thing. So, yeah, that, that was a thing. But the the thing, of course, is you are when you're talking about spotting. If you're on periscope depth on average, you'll basically be two kilometers so the assured detection range, right? You will be almost invisible as a submarine on periscope depth. While you still remain, I think, for vision. Um. Maybe. <laughs> I can't remember. For like, the, for I'm just looking. They haven't made the best graphic. There is detecting ships by submarine. Detectability of enemy ships. With us, uh, so I assume this is the same thing, right? You are surfaced. Okay, so you have you spot them with the air detection range when you are on periscope depth, but they only can see you at two kilometers, right? So air detect for like even cruisers is often like for example it could see a Des Moines at like six kilometers, but it can only see you at two kilometers. So it's uh, well at least you can be hydro at this range. Hmm. But it makes them still, if they are close, very dangerous spotters because you can't really see them because they are so incredibly sneaky, and they'll see you at air range, which is a lot usually. Unless you're a destroyer. Yeah, I mean, it's still fundamentally, all of these changes don't, for me, really uh, address that, that core issue of what, what is the role of submarines other than to be a kind of extra sneaky destroyer kind of thing, but without the the the, the spotting ability. So... Yeah, I I don't know. Like I I feel like some of these changes are interesting, but I don't know if it really fundamentally changes my view of of subs. I mean, they 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 are trying to take steps to improve the interaction between surface ships and subs. Um, but yeah, it's still I'm still not sold. I don't know about you, but I'm still I, I still would much rather see subs just kind of go away. From, from randoms and at best maybe be in as something that's in operations or its own mode. Yeah, I I agree. Like the thing is they the way they are seeming to design them is that you if you wanna use the homing torpedoes you are easier to, to counter in a sense because they see the ping coming and they might be able to do something against you. But the core issue of a super sneaky ship just surfacing three kilometers in front of you and unloading its torps is the same. Now, they say that uh, the regular torps do about uh, the damage of a destroyer. Uh, depends on which destroyer, because that's honestly a very far spread. Yeah, you know, I mean, if we're talking Swedish destroyers, then... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. if I... I it depends, like, can they still one-shot you? Like, can you surface in front of a core first and just one-shot it if you load all of its guns, uh, all of its tops? Because it, there is no counter to that still. 
you can't mm. see it coming in if it dives even if if it's at at uh, like bot at the bottom it actually still gets spotty although only 8 to 10 kilometers on average but it still can get spotting on the minimap that's also changed because you used to be absolutely blind down there so to make it easier to maneuver and plan your strikes So, yeah, we, we'll see. I don't suspect that there will end. I have to actually get our hands on them and play with them a bit and against them and see if it's any more or less annoying than it was before. <laughs> I mean, I I presume it's going to be same old, right? It's oh, it's it might even drive the divide between good and bad plays even further because now if the submarine just is a bad player, you know, with with the pings visible and the oil leaks, they might be easier to counter if they don't know what they're doing, and the good ones will still surface in front of you and just one shot you. But hey, I mean, uh, we will see what happens with this test and after this test. Yeah. So I have to change anything else. Ship mounted depth charges are used at close range. No shit. <laughs> well, that's the of wisdom. And <laughs> uh, that somehow magically changed. While the, S, the range of the asteroid depends on ship type and here, I'm assuming they're still screwing over cruisers and make mostly battleships the sub hunters. Yeah. Airstrike loads quite fast in a small drop area. I'm wondering if they have reduced the drop area now. It's hard to say because uh, I think that you like it's hard to judge off from a screenshot how big that area is. Yeah, without exact numbers, it's kind of hard to eyeball it. I mean, it, it sounds like they make it more consistent inside the strike area, but a smaller strike area. And obviously the strike area is still late, so we will have to see how easy it is for submarines to dodge that and get out of it. If they'd, if they'd just give, you know, like people can have their submarines, just let me have ASRock launchers on all my ships. And I'll be happy. <laughs> I mean, they they said that the what was it the the super Minotaur will have advanced anti submarine warfare. They've yeah, never said that's... what how that looks like. I mean, when they say that, I bet it's just like a hedgehog launcher or something. But yeah. Uh. So yeah, nobody's looking forward to submarines, but they'll be coming back in a month. It's, it's a short yeah. story. And from what we've seen here, it's going to be a clusterfuck like every other submarine test. Probably. I, I don't well, know if we have, if they have much reason to be confident it will be anything otherwise, but I guess we'll see. Well, I mean, that brings us to current known issues. Uh... Bot behavior. Bot A got a major overhaul, okay. Um, 
Internal testing showed the change wouldn't affect the bot behavior in corp operations and other temporary battle types as planned. However, <laughs> feedback showed that was not the case. <laughs> Grabbing people more frequently, which I, you know, to my eyes, that means obviously they're becoming more self-aware. <laughs> you know, their, it, their lust for vengeance against puny humans is becoming more. You know, they're learning clearly. It's like it's it's such an interesting word, the article or something like. Basically, they made changes to the AI. They thought it wouldn't affect the AI making changes to the AI, and they internally tested it and confirmed that their changes to the AI didn't change the AI, and then people played it, and their changes to the AI actually changed the AI. Now they are shocked, and it will take them multiple patches, probably. It, they say patched in one of the closest updates, meaning not even a month from now, guaranteed, but possibly in a few months from now. It's... Yeah. Yeah, also, they said this was on public test, so this was basically before they pushed it live, they already knew they had screwed up. But the brief public test showed them something that internal testing couldn't confirm. So how how much internal testing was there, I, I ask? Because that seems something that you, you should be able to find. We had some numbers to go with it, or even a rough idea, but I, I, don't, I don't know like how, how much more often it's occurring. But... Um... Yeah, I don't know. In the meantime, I just guess be wary of bots trying to ram you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's also an acknowledgement on this page that, that login times have been increasing, and that's some, certainly something I've personally noticed, that I, I can get up and go and get you know set a cup of tea brewing kind of thing and come back, and it still might be trying to log in. Oh, yeah. And personally, I thought that was just because, you know, I, I, I use mods, and I think mods are known to potentially increase the, the kind of login time, but clearly it's not just that. Clearly there's something else going on. Yeah, I'm not using mods. I've already noticed for several patches that the game login time is going to... It, it seems like it's finally getting so bad that I have to publicly acknowledge it and maybe do something about it. Yeah. But it has been uh, a, a terrible for for many so months it's it's interesting though because it's one of these things where it, it's it's not entirely clear from the outside looking in that what the issue is going to be like is is it with the login process itself is it something on their end with the the login servers or is it something client side to do with how it's handling credentials or is it to do with uh how how the files are packed or like I I don't really know. Like there's probably multiple things that could be causing this. So it's it's well, um, it's nice to see it being acknowledged, but we'll we'll see how long it takes them to actually fix it. Yeah, like the the thing is, I mean, I'm not a programmer, but it seems like a game login is is sort of an easy part. You basically you send your credentials, they confirm it, they check if they are real, and then they send yes back. It shouldn't take a long time with modern internet. So, so it might be to do with game architecture then, or or it might be something on their end in terms of like, who knows? But at least we're acknowledging it now, I suppose, rather than just kind of ignoring it. Yeah, Captain Nono says he hasn't been able to log in at all. Yeah, I've, I've already. I'm not sure how widespread this, but I've heard from people that got stuck for half an hour or longer. Oof, into yeah, okay, I've not had anything that bad, but yeah, that would be. Um, and. Yeah. 
fire up the game and then just leave it, you know, fire up a different game while you're waiting for World of Tanks to log in. Yeah. Or World of Warships, rather. And then there have also been crashes that is not in this post, interestingly, but there was something about... Or was it crashes? Yeah, it's it's there's not a lot of information client there. Crashes. Client crashes. So the release of update eleven point one, the frequency of game client crashing has increased. I haven't personally had this happen, so I I don't really I can't speak to this, but yeah. Did they have an update that one of the one older mod seems to be also yeah, causing it, it, that it does, but it might it not be the only thing. It's a potential issue. So yeah. But uh, once again, it's like they they have multiple issues that made would make a company go wait a moment. Should we actually push this live? While Wargaming is like, yeah, it's up on the calendar, so therefore we must do it. Yeah, it's like you know, on the spreadsheet, how many people will be affected? Yeah, that's that's you know, we we don't care about those guys. Oh, Armory, users running Windows 7 are experiencing problems with displaying various elements and content in the Armory. No, I can tell you win- users running Windows 10 might also not be able to open the Armory and haven't been able to do for three years. And uh, it, it usually takes about two or three tries for me to open the Armory, and then when it starts opening, it only displays like a weird script, and then you have to try again, and then it finally opens. And sometimes also like the dockyard and things like this. So that no. that definitely sounds like some kind of server communication issue in that case, yeah. Yeah, but see that that's the uh, that's the point. I can open a browser like Chrome or so and log into the Amory there without issue. It can't just I just can't do it in game. So easily, something right? with the client trying to do it. That's, yes. That's so weird. Or the internal browser has some problems. And the, the thing is, I've had the same issues with like my old PC. Well, I mean, that's been over three years now, right? That I've changed my PC. But my old PC was like Intel, and my new PC is AMD. So it's not like it's platform specific in that regard. It's just I don't know why, but interesting programming. Yeah, interesting. That's a word for it. Yes, because, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, with, with the whole tick issue, because I have uh, friends that are like programmers, and uh, when, when they, they heard about this whole tick issue, they were so baffled because it's like that, uh, there is no rational reason why the game would handle things like that that like if you keep the mouse button pressed you have twice the delay than if you just hammer the mouse button i mean to be honest the way this game probably uh, i don't know how how kind of universally true this is but there was a post years and years ago that did a deep dive into uh i think it was specifically how the ui elements on world of tanks worked and it was just such a complete hodgepodge like it was kind of things built on top of other things that were kind of rickety to begin with and i wonder how much of that is 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 true of of world of warships where you have this kind of um 
house of cards almost like things built on top of other things and the foundations maybe not that stable but it's fine we'll just pile some more stuff on and um, maybe it falls into that kind of category of of, of programming where I mean, you know this was some decision that was made in the past that's turned out to be not maybe a great decision but you know they're kind of stuck with it now and if they try and change that it's going to break too many other things so i, I don't know yeah, I mean, sh- sure, but it it seems such an odd choice that they they change the frequency in which they communicate just if you hold down a button. Like, I I mean, I'm obviously, sure. a lot of the code is was never meant for a game like World of Warships, and it's an old game, and there probably isn't much documentation left. And they are just as it's usually like with programming, right? They are just nobody knows what's going on and everybody just adds onto the code with bad uh, comments and they hope that it somehow still works. But that's like somebody has to have made the decision that if somebody holds down a button, the game is less reactive than if you like spam it. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. It, it doesn't. See, Sam agrees even. Yeah, yeah, he's, 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 uh, he's awoken from his slumber. Hello, Sam. So clearly he is, yeah, he he thinks it doesn't make sense either. Although he has been outed as a filthy World of Tanks player. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yes, yes, I saw that. So, uh, yeah. Tried to deny it, of course, didn't you, Sam? But, Although uh, I did admit, I wasn't able to, to identify the tank because my tank knowledge it, is unfortunately... Okay. It was a, a USB stick I got. As, I think it was either a tank fest or something like that, but it's basically a little rubbery KB1 with the, the USB, like you pull it apart. And it, it bounces quite nicely when he plays with it, so he likes playing with it a lot. Except when I try and video him playing with it, and then he refuses to cooperate, of course. But, you know, that was amusing in its own right, I suppose. True. So yeah, anyway, then I, we, I think we're done with the dev blog stuff. Yeah, there, there was one more about the clans, but I think we already talked about this. Yeah, right? we talked about the clan stuff right at the start, didn't we? There are just some more maps now displayed so you can see where the spawns are and what yeah, maps pretty, will be like. Pretty much it's just the maps, actually, this article. And also the, yeah, uh, and obviously stating again right. that aircraft carriers and submarines will not be. I'm sure, I mean... Usually, the um, just in the the Asia region particularly, somebody somewhere gets screwed by the 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 way they do the prime time because um, yeah it covers quite a lot of time zones. But uh, yeah, so we do have some other bits of news. Um. Uh, I think mostly from Reddit, the last couple of things. So uh, we, we we touched on Sub-Octavian saying yes. he was going to stand down. So um, he, he did a little statement on on Reddit to that effect, possibly on the official forums as well. I'm not sure. So we, uh, we know he's moving on to some other Wargaming project, but we have no hint as to what. So... Uh, he might he might be being put in charge of something. I mean, he was kind of effectively 
in in charge day to day of uh, World of Warships. Not not in charge of the studio, but you know he was kind of uh, the main the main warships manager, as it were. So one one can assume that he's going to a similar position elsewhere because wargaming, you know, they they have gone around buying up other studios and things, and sometimes True. it's it's panned out, and sometimes it's just kind of then nothing's happened as a result of it, but. Uh, They've yeah, also yeah. had a lot of uh, failures. Like they, they tried the the card game. I think uh, they they have had the. I think this is something they've been trying for years and years. They they've been trying to branch out in different directions, and it's been it's been things like like that that cards game. We've had them um, try their hands at, at publishing things. You know that they've they've bought. Um, the rights to IPs. We had, we had the remake of the um, uh, Master of Orion game, which mm-hmm. was, which was okay, but didn't, it clearly didn't do well enough to warrant any kind of follow-up. Um, I think they've published a couple of other minor games. Uh, they lost the total war thing that they've already shut down again, because yeah, that, that, they, they, they took over as I think the, the publisher of, of that and that, that, that got shut down. Uh, they had a brief foray into trying to add other games to the Wargaming Center client. Hello, Sam. Uh, and actually, that very recently got removed. That was, I think, Steel Division 2, something like that. It was one of those Eugen systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eugen, I should, know, I should know how to pronounce that better. For goodness sake, we have the Prince Eugen in game. The Eugen systems... Um, uh, the RTS titles, which I, I clearly they were betting would be a, a decent fit for their audience, but uh, yeah, uh, that's actually not available anymore. I, I, I uh, the first I knew of it was seeing a thing of uh, getting an email saying, "Oh, it's been removed. Here's instructions on how to move it to Steam," kind of thing. There, there so was they, they also. There was like there was a shooter, right? Like I remember on the last, but before this whole pandemic started, on the the last time when there was still a Gamescom, uh, they yeah. had a playable shooter at, at the Gamescom. One of their new projects. I've never heard anything yeah. since. Um, the the one that does stick in mind is they bought the studio of the I can't remember what it was called. Now was it was it gas powered games or something like that? The um. Ah, uh, yeah, Chris Taylor. It was gas-powered games. Um, they became Wargaming Seattle, and then was subsequently they, that closed in 2018. So that was another thing. So they they have this continual history of trying to to like if you look at lists of uh, you know publishers by revenue for kind of these online free-to-play games. Wargaming is actually you know a relatively big player in that market. Uh, just on on the basis of you know, World of Tanks and, and World of Warships, and to mm-hmm. a much much lesser extent World of Warplanes, but um, they've really failed to, despite many attempts and goodness knows how much money spent, they they really have failed to break out into into uh, uh, any other avenues either as a, a publisher or developer of of other games. So yeah, it's it's it it kind of almost seems like it's one of those instances where they've they've gotten successful on, on this really one thing 
you know, kind of this this world of tanks or this mm-hmm. world of formula, and then have really not been able to take that and uh, um, use use that money to uh, be successful and, and grow in other areas, which you know other companies obviously have done. Like you know, Valve, for instance, wasn't always. Oh, yeah. The, the owner of Steam, you know, way back when they just made games and then, you know... Kind of... I mean, they, they started with Steam as a platform for their games, right? Yeah. And it was when, when Steam came out, it was one of the worst pieces of software to ever exist. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's basically the, the number one, probably, it, it, like, game distributor. Yeah, it's the 900-pound gorilla in the room or whatever that phrase is. So, yeah. So yeah, they've had like Master of Orion. Tom McKeever was was you know at best a modest, modest success, um, but well, you know from my point of view, you know the game was okay. Like I don't, I, mm-hmm. I think it did initially okay sales wise, but maybe they didn't really make any money on it. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a, a, any kind of success from their point of view. So yeah, they don't seem to have been able to pick projects and and be that successful with them. Like, outside of World of Tanks, their main and success warships. has World of Warships, pretty much. Um, and it's interesting to compare that to Gaijin, who operate on a much smaller scale, and yet they've been a bit more successful spinning stuff off from um, from their more modest success with War Thunder. You know, so. it, it almost feels like that a lot of Wargaming's success is accidental. I, I wonder Maybe. at times because, like, I mean, often uh, sometimes people like to point Wargaming as this sort of uh, genius evil company in, in a way that knows exactly what it's doing and it's just doing it to make most money. But when I see them like flail around with things like submarines and the balancing and so on, sure, a lot of it is gem unwilling to do stuff or fix their problems because they don't see this that beneficial. But they seem to generally have, like, when you see how they flail around with submarines, they generally seem to have no idea how the game works and how to, they generally have no plan how to implement them. To this day, they don't know what the submarine should be doing. And I don't think they've ever sat down and asked themselves the question. It's in so many ways that, and in the balancing article that they wrote a while back, I mean, a lot of it was very questionable what they wrote anyway, but in the end, they said that they operate on a, uh, paper like a rock paper scissors system which doesn't really like hasn't been a thing for a long time because the classes are so diverse in a sense so mm-hmm. it's if that's actually the game philosophy then any excess success they have right now is pure accidental because they they seem to have absolutely no understanding of how their game works yeah so in 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 all of that context i guess we'll we'll learn sooner or later what sub octavian has gone off to do but whether it's a success or not we we shall see um so the other the other thing um and possibly the last thing unless there's something else but um yeah there was a a reddit thread where someone had noticed that there's been a section added to the eula for and it turns out all wargaming uh titles um uh, an NFT end-user license agreement. And then it emerged, like there was this, obviously a lot of comments of, oh my God, they're going to add NFTs to World of Warships. And then it emerged, actually, that they've already done that, but with World of Warplanes, 
they had an event back in, I think, October or November. And, oh, Sam, that's the mouse. Thank you. <laughs> Rolling around, and now I don't have control of my computer. Thank you. Um, yeah, that they, they'd added it as um, event rewards. And uh, it was weird because it doesn't seem to have been any reason why they needed to be NFTs other than they were doing, uh, to me, it feels like anyway, a test balloon to see if there was any market for it. Because I'd, I'd almost been having feelings of, not, not dread exactly, but wondering if, if I was going to wake up someday and find out that Wargaming had jumped on that train, as have other publisher companies tried to. But um, that, that, that every time it's, it's happened, there's always been such a kickback against it that, that uh, to the extent that some games, have, you know, like, uh, what was it, Team 17 kind of almost immediately backed down. I think uh, Ubisoft keeps trying to float the idea and... and um, we, we had that that executive come out and say, no, no, you just don't understand the benefits without actually saying what these supposed benefits were. <laughs> everyone pouring scorn on them online. Uh, yeah, and, and and me thinking, well, maybe Wargaming's been sensible enough that they're, they're, they've, they've listened to this feedback because by and large, it seems like gamers do not want NFTs. Like the intersection between the market for... Um, NFTs, which seems to be largely driven by, well, there's been it's there's been a whole lot of information going around about NFTs, and I think people are now better informed about NFTs than than ever before, and what exactly they are, and and what they are not. Um, but uh, yeah, there the still seems to be this hype in certain sectors about NFTs, and um, this this. This push, this you know, the, the, these dollar signs lighting up in game executives' eyes of, well, you know, well, somehow we can work this in and make even more money off people alongside all of the existing microtransactions and all the other ways that we try and uh, uh, squeeze money out. But people that actually like play games uh, for fun, generally speaking, don't want them and, and recognize mm-hmm. that they're good things. They've already. I think to some extent had this experience with with um, even just like microtransactions and loot boxes in in, in various forms, and uh, you know why would they not be wary of this next big thing? But um, yeah, the the crowd that do think that NFTs are great and wonderful and fantastic way to make money, you know, they're they're not the people that are playing games to play games. You know, there there are now games out there where they are. This, this, you know, so-called play to earn, and you can get NFTs of things. And uh, uh, the crowds of people they seem to attract are not the the same crowds of people necessarily that would um, be kind of you know mainline gamers. So, yeah, but it turns out they 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 had offered NFTs as a prize in this event, and there was absolutely no reason given for it um, that I could tell. And uh, considering the nature of, of, of any of the world of titles, you know, you could easily just have a, a unique thing tied to somebody's account with absolutely no need for the blockchain to get involved. Yeah. It's, it's just a completely unnecessary step. Like there's no benefit to somebody, a World of, War, a World of Warplanes player going, yeah, I have this NFT. It doesn't do anything. It isn't worth anything to you other than 
hey, look, I have this worthless thing. <laughs> yeah, as as uh, Fu has pointed out, most people who play games already know how to screenshot things. So <laughs> exactly. So. Um, and you know, aside from from the environmental concerns, I mean, it was um, in the news not that long ago that the the estimated use i can't even remember the exact numbers but it was basically the, you know the the electricity use of a small country being used just on nfts never mind yeah. the crypto market generally so it's a hugely wasteful thing it's utterly unnecessary for games and i really hope wargaming um decide not to take it further but um, the one official response we have from the new community guy on the Reddit side, Cyberfight, um, who, you know, pointed out first off that, that the reason why there's this EULA section now is because of the World of Warplanes event, uh, that, 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 you know, there's now this EULA section across all the, the wargaming titles. But uh, he, he then follows up by saying, we currently have no plans to bring NFT to water warships. And should this change, we will inform you about our plans. That's not a no. That's not a we're not going to do this. That that's a kind of maybe we'll that, see. Yeah, we'll see how yeah. I feel about it. Even if they had, and you were saying this before we started, even if they had outright come out and said no, we're not going to do this in World of Warships, it still wouldn't necessarily be the most believable statement ever. <laughs> but as it is, it just it kind of leaves me with a slightly sinking feeling that they might try and do it anyway. So. Uh... Also, what we should have probably started with, so I'm not sure if everybody knows what an NFT is. An NFT is, it, it basically means that it, uh, you sort of own the link to, to something like a picture yeah. or so. You're buying a spot in a database, essentially. Yes. And adjacent to that spot in the database, there can be a bit of information. It might be a URL to a picture. There's no guarantee that URL won't change in the future, of course, you know, or the, the picture yeah. might disappear that URL, but, you know, you've bought the the thing associated with that URL, and, you know, good luck if that disappears. You can't really do anything about it. Uh, but it can have other things in there as well. Uh, it, it's just, um, I think pictures have been the headline thing because a lot of the NFT project pictures are this kind of, really weird looking almost semi-machine generated art that doesn't have any actual artistic value but then there's also been a lot of stories about just because people getting ripped off and people selling art that they don't own yeah there's been a huge amount of of entire YouTube channels and the thing is there are kind of multiple um, marketplaces. There are multiple places where you can mint an NFT. Uh, so nothing to stop um, somebody. Like, let's take that one of Warplanes example where you've got that that bit of uh, specific bit of, uh, I think it was just like an art thing for, for the World of Warplanes um, NFT. Um, that, uh, yeah, that, that you could take that and presuming wargaming has only put it on one um mm -hmm. exchange or whatever they're called you know you could potentially take that url to a different you know mint it on a different uh site and uh you know sell that yourself and um there's there's nothing really stopping 
people doing that because there's, there's, there's just very little regulation. You know, the, the only examples of people getting stolen anything returned um, through one of these sites is uh, essentially, you know, if they have a big enough platform that they can bring the, the pressure to bear on these sites to say, you know, these people have stolen my stuff and can you delist it, please? It doesn't disappear from the blockchain. It's now there forever. It's just kind of unlisted kind of things the, the whole thing is just a complete mess yeah yeah so basically if you buy like an nft picture you don't even have the rights to the picture you sort of own oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. a spot in a database that says that you own that link to like that uh, what is picture post or something like that but you don't own the picture even though you paid i don't know how much money right? the artist owns the picture and as, as has been pointed out oftentimes it's a scam because people just take pictures from somebody else and mint them as an nft and then sell them so NFTs basically serve three purposes. They uh, they are good to to uh, launder money, to dodge taxes, and to scam people. Yeah, there's been uh, it's it's weird because it's this hugely insular market of people just kind of, I think, trading amongst themselves, and I think the the sheer amount of of hype around nfts and companies looking to get in on nfts and try and popularize nfts is to try and somehow get this market to be bigger and actually join people from outside this this relatively small circle but um yeah as you say it, it that the, the, there is so much kind of just criminality rife with with um laundering and and all kinds of other shady business going on with NF, nfts as well so uh yeah, the whole thing just needs to die, basically. There might be some use case for the technology out there somewhere, but the current form of NFTs is absolutely not it. And, you know, it's also, I think, shed a, a lot of uh, light on on crypto and blockchain generally and, and how shady and unregulated a lot of that is as well. Like, you know, entire um, new coins that appear and then just kind of... Uh, you know, rake in mm -hmm. like a million dollars or whatever with the initial offering and then just disappear. You know, they just get delisted and vanish into the ether and essentially that's money somebody's just walked off with. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So all we're saying is, you know, we're selling an NFT of this podcast <laughs> and uh, uh, we expect uh, to make million dollars and we'll probably launch our own, um, you know, uh, own uh, uh, a cat NFT show. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. We're, we're going all in on this, you guys. Uh, de definitely. <laughs> Buy Sam Coin today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, yeah, this podcast has drifted to financial advice. Well, it's 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 interesting. My name is in the water because it, it's this intersection between this kind of weird. Um, really unregulated space within um, within uh, uh, the, the kind of whole crypto and technology um, uh, area that, that that has ended up intersecting with gaming in a way that you know gamers have consistently rejected, but big companies keep trying to push anyway because they they think it's going to make them more money. Um, the one project I am aware of that that was um, 
recently pushed out and has been deeply unsuccessful was uh, Konami, who, you know, once upon a time respected K- uh, game um, publisher, and then just, um, I think, I, I don't know how many people are going to be aware of the recent-ish history of Konami in the last couple of years, but they, uh, to put it bluntly, completely disappeared up their own arse and decided all the money... Uh, that they wanted to make was, you know, it was way more profitable to basically make money out of pachinko and gambling machines in in Japan than to actually publish games. So they've kind of boulderized all the all the IPs that they own, like Castlevania and all this kind of thing, into into weird gambling machines. But they they've then tried to capitalize on um, all all their IP once again with their NFTs, and they they sold this Konami collection, which was, I think, just basically bits of art from various old games and uh from my understanding it sold really poorly because um yeah the, the actual people that might be nostalgic for those games are not the same people that are dead into nfts so yeah and i mean they can't just screenshot that that's the thing right you own the the, the spot in a database that says you own the link and so on you can't just yeah. go to the site and screenshot it and you have them oh. Most most NFT, gamers are smart enough to to press the print screen button. Yeah, essentially. I mean, the the, the inherent value. I mean, there are obviously things of NFTs, you know, changing hands for the equivalent of ridiculous amounts of money. But it's all kind of people speculating on it at the moment. And the inherent value of of any given NFT, you know, I I might as well write. Uh, like you know scribble something like a doodle on a bit of paper and, and you know that bit of paper is unique there's no other bit of paper like it you know, with this exact scribble or you know this exact doodle on it but it doesn't necessarily mean it has any inherent value beyond its uniqueness and that that's kind of like it's just such a fundamentally shallow thing that it 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 just seems to have been hyped out of any kind of Anything. I, 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 I don't know. It, it, the whole thing is just weird. I had, I had my, mm. uh, my dad asking about it like a couple of months ago, and there was something in the news about it, and it was like, I don't, I don't understand this NFT thing at all. And, and I was just like, yeah, it's, it's not just you. It's everybody. The whole thing is weird. It makes no sense. It's ridiculous and a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like if you try to set like a star in the sky and then you take a piece of yeah, paper and I, you write I, down, I, now I you, own, you own made, that yeah. star. There is Almost no practical... Uh, star registry or buying a piece of land yeah. on the moon or Mars or, you know, it, it has yeah. the exact same force as that, basically. Yeah, everybody can look at that star and can take pictures of it and you you know that you only have a piece of paper that tells you you own that star that's probably not legally enforceable anyway. And if yeah. it was, you wouldn't have any purpose for it in the first place. And, so it's, the analogy even holds up to the yeah. point where there were different websites where you could buy stars. So, you know, unless you were going on to all of the websites where you could buy stars and buying the exact same star, you could have potentially multiple people owning the same star thing. And the exact same thing's happening with NFTs, you know, the, the, the theft and all that that's going on. So, so yeah. by the way, we also now sell stars if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's 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 all just ridiculous nonsense. So uh, yeah. yeah, so wargaming and NFTs. Just no wargaming. Just don't don't do it. Be sensible. Just don't. 
Yeah, that's fine. They'll, um, probably, they'll probably forget the NFT idea and somehow move on to you know they're, they're going to make the wargaming metaverse as their next thing. <laughs> it's it's, all, it, it's okay. Time. They'll they'll find another tech tree ship to sell us for for a mm-hmm. hundred dollars or so. I, I I truly like in my my worst. I don't know if nightmare is the right word, but my most absolute cynical moment, I expect to wake up one day and find that, oh, yeah, you can you can buy the NFT for the Turpits. <laughs> I, okay. Does that mean I now own all Turpitses? No. Doesn't mean a damn thing, only that I've been willing to give Wargaming money for nothing, essentially. <laughs> Anyway, God, I really yeah. hope they don't. I really hope they don't. But in your heart, you know they will. We'll see. But even if they do it yeah. in some, some inoffensive or relatively inoffensive way, it's still going to be a stupid idea and a waste of everyone's time. And energy. Yeah. Oh, Wow. You want to be able yeah. to put your shits into your well, <laughs> Tom McKeever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think I think that's about us. Unless there's yeah. been some last minute dev blog. We were hoping to, um, for anyone wondering, we were hoping to have a guest this week, but it didn't pan out. But uh, I think we've got someone lined up for next week. So yeah. I also want to give yeah. a shout out to anybody that's listening to this on on some podcast service because that seems to have actually been going pretty well. But I, I don't. I, yes, I, I do try and, and mention this every so often that we now also do uh, like you can go and search on various podcast services. So I don't know if we're on um, Spotify, but I think we're on various. I know I know we're on Apple Podcasts. So yeah, it's it's yeah. A, it's a bit. Well, it was interesting, an interesting little journey because it's like you don't necessarily have to upload all to all these different things. Like a lot of them kind of automatically propagate from other surfaces. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, if you want to go and download and listen to previous ones, you can do that while you're out and about. So that's the thing. We'll be selling NFTs for podcast episodes as well, obviously. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, on that note, I guess we can say goodnight to you all and see you next week. Bye. Bye.